It's a great time to get a great deal on a new car when you get approved for an auto loan from PenFed. Our powered by True Car rates are as low as 1.39% APR on new vehicles. Finance for a longer term to lower your monthly bill. Plus, take up to 60 days to schedule your first payment. Join PenFed and together we'll keep you moving forward. Anyone can apply. Visit PenFed.org auto or call 1-800-247-5626. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Support for this episode has been provided by Ratio Keto-Friendly Dairy Snacks. If counting macros makes your head spin, count instead on a snack by Ratio. They've done the math for you, so you can spend less time studying the label and more time enjoying your day. Creamy and delicious, try strawberry and vanilla for two grams of carbs and a unique combination of sugar and protein. Interested? Ratio Keto-Friendly Dairy Snacks are now available in the yogurt aisle at Walmart. Always consult your physician before starting an eating plan that involves regular consumption of high-fat foods. Chase your dreams across the sky how we started our podcast and how we record our podcast regina king for cadillac escalade when people ask regina do you like to compete i say bring it on those are the moments that drive you to achieve more and when you win you keep reaching higher to me that's what the cadillac escalade represents it's always evolving in technology in design everything because success isn't the end it's just the first step to what comes next the 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. The answer is so, so simple. Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone, tablet, or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can make money from your podcast no matter if you have one listener or a thousand listeners downloads everything i mean it's so simple if you're creating something get paid for it it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place download the free anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started now welcome everyone to the interview of the week here on the heels and quad wrestling podcast it's me tommy at mr tommy walter on twitter and my guest tonight, making his way from the bar, the Beer City Bruiser. You can follow him on Twitter at BCB Winchester. Also, buy all of his t-shirts at ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash Beer City Bruiser. BCB, what's up, man? Nothing much. How's it going? Oh, pretty good. Just living the dream. Yeah, me too, man. <laughs> Well, as we are on Central Time and recording, it is almost 5 o'clock, so I take it we've got some gimmicks flowing? 
Oh, yeah, we've had it for a while. Um, I, I, I live by the rule. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. Always. It always is. It's always nice, nice to talk to a fellow beer drinker. Oh, yeah. Beer, beer is good. Beer is life. Beer and cigars are always fun. <laughs> yes, they are. So my first question is always, how did you get into wrestling? So I'm assuming growing up in Wisconsin, you grew up watching AWA, correct? Yeah, I was a big fan of the AWA um, growing up. My um, very first experience to wrestling was actually an AWA show that my uncle took me to. And uh, it was at, like a little festival up here. And um, I got to watch Bruiser Brody wrestle, and I just absolutely fell in love with wrestling at that moment because he was just so much larger than life. And then uh, because of my obsession with Brody, I actually found out about, like, WWF and Mid-Atlantic and WCCW and all that because I'd just try to find Brody everywhere. And he was going everywhere. I mean, he was he was the uh, – he was, like, right up there with Andre at that time. So Yeah, he, he was, never he was going everywhere. Yeah, he never stayed in one territory too long. So, you know, me looking for him, like where I grew up was great because we always had AWA and WWF on TV. And then, um, you know, we had the, the Saturday uh, Saturday mornings and stuff like that with WCW. And then on ESPN, they'd always do a rotation of like Mid-Atlantic one week, uh, Texas the next week. You might get some California stuff in there. You know, so every other week I got something brand new and it was really cool. So going from that, so how old were you around that time, first getting into wrestling? I was seven years old when my uncle took me to that show, and I've been a fan ever since. And from there, how did you – what made you – was there a a specific moment that made you decide, hey, I want to do this for a living? The actual moment when I wanted to to do that was when Foley Undertaker did the Hell in a Cell match, and – Foley went off the top of the cage and he got up and went back and finished the match and I was just so enthralled because Foley to me was a reincarnation of Bruiser Brody so I fell in love with with Cactus Jack you know in ECW and then when he became Mankind and stuff of course I was a fan but at that moment you know I was right at the right age and stuff like that and I remember thinking man I, I wonder if I could do this for a living like that looks totally awesome so, being a fan of Cactus Jack, were you involved in a lot of, like, tape trading and stuff in the 90s, like a lot of us fans were? Oh, big time. Like, um, because <laughs> of my obsession with Brody and Foley, like, you know, and I always collect the All Japan and FMW and, and the New Japan and all the Japanese tapes, and then I'd try and get the ECW stuff. You know, it was good when ECW came on TNN, because then I could just hit record on my VCR. But yeah, I, I was a big tape trader. Um about an hour from here, there's a place called Gurney Mills, and they used to have a little cart set up in their mall. And it was an RF video cart, so you can go and, you know, buy videos and stuff like that. Oh, wow. I used to make the drive at least once, every every payday, drive down there, pick up some tapes, get with my friends, we'd tape trade and whatnot. Yeah, I grew I grew up in New Jersey, so it, it was... It was nice to be around that area because it was it was really easy for us to get those tapes back then. But I'd never heard of a of a mall or any of a store having a RF video cart. That's awesome. Yeah, it was like a little cart manned by one person. You know what I mean? It was like a little kiosk, and it wasn't there too long. I remember when it when it went away. Um, like a lot of us were really upset because that's where we get a lot of our tapes. <laughs> so that that was about what time? Oh God, um, I was in college, so. 96, 97, 98. Uh, I started tape trading, though, before that. I started tape trading 
probably around my high school years, so early nineties. And you were getting like everything. So yeah, like, I was Japan, trying to do everything the, the I could. Just because I wanted to see, I wanted to see Brody. You know what I mean? So I was getting Japan and Puerto Rico because he made his name in Japan. You know, and he was huge in Puerto Rico. So you know, but then because of that, I fell in love with a guy like Terry Gordy. You know, and then of course you had Terry Gordy and Doctor Death, who were a huge tag team. You know what I mean? So it's like, okay, now I want to see more of these guys. So that's what turned me on to the Freebirds, you know. And it was just a constant succession of just, I, I love this guy, and then also I saw this guy, so now I have to find out who this guy is, you know. And it, it just became an obsession. It's a shame to a lot of, like, mainstream wrestling fans that they only really know Dr. Death from, like, the 97, 98 WWF run. Like his, oh, I know. His, his early stuff, though, it was... <laughs> I mean, you go the early badass dude. Yeah, you go early ninety one, ninety two when the Miracle Violence connection was on on top. Like, man, he was fun to watch. So, how did you get into tr- to training to become a wrestler? Um, in college, uh, well, right after I got out of college, actually, um, my buddies and I we used to always goof off after pay per views. And, you know, wrestle each other in the front yard and stuff like that. And um, after one of the pay-per-views, a friend of a friend says, hey, if you want, my next-door neighbor is a professional wrestler. They just had a ring set up in my yard because they were doing a a Channel 10 news story on on the wrestling. He says, if you want, you can meet this guy. And I said, all right. And uh, so he took me over, and I met a guy named Jet Bennett, who to this day is still one of my best friends. And he gave me a list of schools to call. And um, the first school I called was Steel Domain um, Wrestling School, which trained CM Punk and Colt Cabana. It was run by Ace Steel. But at the time, they were closing down. So I never got a call back. So the next name on the list was a guy named Trevor Adonis, who actually had a gym in my hometown. So I ended up stopping at his gym and talking to him. And he said, I'll tell you what, show up at this bar called Hog Alley, uh, pay 150 bucks, I'll run you through a two-hour fantasy course. You know, we'll show you how to bump, hit the rope, turnbuckles, and if you don't like it, you're only out 150 bucks. If you do like it, I'll train you. So I ended up paying the money, and my two-hour training fantasy camp ended up being four and a half hours long. Wow. Trevor right there goes, you're a natural man, you need to, you need to do this, like this, you know, what do you think? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And he he started training me for about, you know, three years, and then uh, I did a Harley camp, and Harley invited me down to his school, and I moved down there, and I trained with Harley Race for four years. And what, I mean, what was that experience like? I mean, I'm sure you told these stories a thousand times, but <laughs> <laughs> I can tell. Training was, <laughs> I always it's say still that interesting. I, I always say that I trained, when I trained with Trevor, it was like going to grade school and high school, and then when I trained with Harley, it was like going to college. Um you know, I used to, Harley would always get to uh, the office at 10 a.m., so at 10.30, I'd show up every day. You know, I'd do chores around the office. I'd sit and listen to his stories. He'd pull out his old booking books from Wrestling at the Chase, and he'd tell me stories about those. And then, you know, if I had a question about something, he'd, he'd talk to me about, you know, the, answer my question. If, uh, if I had a promoter interested in booking me, he'd show me how to talk to that promoter about money and, and getting paid what I was worth. Um, I'd go to lunch with him and stuff like that. You know, I'd leave, go work out, come back for training. Training was from 5 to 8, you know, so I'd stay there. And then when uh, Curtis Axel, Joe Henning started, we ended up staying at the school till like, nine ten o'clock at night. It got to the point where Howie just gave us a key. 
and it was just, it was one of the best times of my life. Like I, I became a, a better wrestler because of Harley. And I mean, there you said it, you know, Joe Henning being there, you being from Wisconsin and him obviously, you know, having ties to AWA through his father, you know, there you are, you're under the learning tree of Harley race. Like you had to be over the moon. Oh, it was, it was amazing. And I'm, I'm a big uh, history buff. So listening to Harley tell stories about all the old wrestling at the chase and, and, you know, this guy coming in and debuting and this guy coming out and this guy having heat, like that was just awesome. You know what I mean? And, and just him telling all the stories, you know, wrestling with a fever or, you know, doing everyone's finish on the card because he hated the promoter or something like that. You know, it's <laughs> awesome, you know. It, it really made me a student of the game. Did he ever, like, sit there? Did you ever, like, watch his old matches back with him? Yep. We'd watch uh, his old matches. Um, we'd watch uh, my stuff. We'd watch just random matches. Um, a great story, actually. Um, Trevor worked Harley a couple times, and Trevor had a, a photo from when he wrestled Harley. And he said, I came home for Thanksgiving one time to visit my parents and stuff, and Trevor gave me this photo. He goes, you mind getting this signed by Harley for me? I said, sure, no problem. So I get done with Thanksgiving and Christmas, go back to Harley's, walk in his office, go, Harley, guy who broke me in, wrestled you, his name's Trevor, and I hand him the, the photo, and Harley sits there for about five minutes looking at it and goes, I remember this kid, and explains the same exact story Trevor told me not two weeks before, all the way down to a T. Like, like his memory was just right there. Wow. So I signed it for Trevor, I took it back, I'm like, Trevor, you're not going to believe it, but he told the same story you told, word for word. It was it was awesome. That's one thing I've always heard about Harley is even, even you know, in the, the more recent years with his health and stuff, his, his he's still sharp. Um, yeah. Uh, when I went back, I was a coach for – I was representing Ring of Honor, and I went back and coached at a Harley camp, kind of just showing, hey, doing these camps, you know, works like where I'm at, and it kind of made me go full circle. You know, he wasn't as sharp then because he's getting older. You know what I mean? But when I was there, man, he was sharp as a tack. Plus, he had DJ there, and DJ would always, you know, remember stuff all the time. So going from there, I mean, what what got what got your foot in the door at Ring of Honor? Um, Steve Carino was a big help with me getting into Ring of Honor. Um, Steve Carino, Kevin Kelly, uh, Rhino, Kevin Steen, all were were pushing for me to to come and do stuff. And I ended up working a dark match for them when they're in Milwaukee one time. And um, Steve Carino was always telling me to do the tryout camp. Um, but I was always real complacent where I was. You know, I was just happy being an indie wrestler, being successful, and I kind of just accepted my fate. Um, my father-in-law, who passed away in 2013, was like a big supporter of mine, always pushing me to go do, you know, go do the tryout camp, go do the tryout camp. And I just couldn't justify spending the money to go and do the camp well when he passed away he left money in his will um but it was just enough money for me to go to the camp it paid for my flight my um the, the camp fee a rental car hotel and the only way that we could touch that money is if i used it for the camp wow. so i remember signing up for the camp getting accepted and telling my wife like i'm not just going to go to be a guy doing a camp like i thought your dad wanted this so bad i want this bad I'm going to go and be the guy. And I end up hitting a home run in the camp and getting invited to the top prospect tournament, and I've been with Ring of Honor ever since. That's awesome, man. And 
to know that your father-in-law believed in you that much is, is a is a really cool story that a lot of people probably don't know. Yeah, he was one of my biggest supporters, you know. Um, he kind of got where I came from because he was a, a big racing fan, you know, with the old dirt track, and everyone knows NASCAR and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, when you go down the ranks, like the dirt track and stuff like that, they're a lot like us professional wrestlers where they're traveling every weekend, they're going to different tracks. And he used to be a part of that world. So he kind of understood where I was going, where like how, why I was gone every weekend, why I was going to these little shit towns and wrestling in front of 10 people for no money. You know, he understood it because he kind of came from that world with racing. Right. So when he saw the passion and drive that I had, it, he kind of had the same passion and drive with racing. Plus he was a wrestling fan. You know what I mean? Like it, it kind of just went hand in hand. He saw a little bit of himself in you. Yeah, and, and he was a great guy. Um, he supported everything I did. He supported everything my wife did. He was always there for us, and he's, he's missed to this day. That's great. Um, well, and, and talk a little bit about how you – how much of the Beer City Bruiser is you? I mean, is it you <laughs> multiplied by a million? Is it you multiplied by a hundred? Like, how much of that character is you? It, it's me, you know, turned up to 11. Um, yeah. Like, when, when coming up with the character, you know, everyone always says, find a character that's kind of like yourself. And, and I remember saying, well, all I do is drink beer and fight. That's all <laughs> I do. <laughs> you know, like, I was that guy in a bar that would drink too much and get into a fight, you know. and uh, or, or I'd be the guy that saw someone getting picked on. I'd walk over and, and take care of it. You know, I helped the bouncers out. And uh, somebody's like, well, that could be your gimmick. And I was like, all right. So then... You know, I just kind of created, took a little bit from Crusher and took a little bit from Gordy and a little bit from Brody and just kind of made it myself and threw my own little twist in there. So what you see is what you get. <laughs> <laughs> and as a bartender in my real job, you're my favorite customer. <laughs> <laughs> I try to be everyone's favorite customer. <laughs> you're the kind of guy that everybody wants to sit down with and have a beer. Yeah, and, you know, I want to a case. I, that's why we've been doing Malonis and I've been introducing the Toast of Honor after our matches just to show, you know, uh, I guess in England, I was told in England, if you get into a fight, like a bar fight, like two guys get into a bar fight and they beat the crap out of each other, the way the fight ends is one guy quits and then they both go to the bar and have a beer and apologize. And I'm way like, to do man, it. can you imagine how great the world would be if that's what it was? You just got into a <laughs> fight when you're done, you go share a beer afterwards? So I was telling Malonis that. I'm like, hey, man, we need, we should incorporate someone. You know, even if we beat the crap out of these guys, we should offer a beer afterwards. And we ended up going with it. Now it's called the Toast of Honor, and it's catching on. And that's kind of what got my foot into, into the door of getting this interview was <laughs> <laughs> mentioning that during Honor Reign Supreme because <laughs> I loved yeah. it. That was, that was actually probably one of my favorite parts of the show. I oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we're just. I, I loved your match. I loved your match this week against Silas, uh, the no DQ match. Unfortunately, oh, yeah. you came up on the short end, but it, it was very, still a good match, man. Very painful match. Very, yeah, very it looked painful. like it. <laughs> <laughs> so going from there, I mean, you and Milanis, and then you know this whole thing with Silas now. Like, are you are you turning to the good side, or are you welcoming the cheers you're getting? Um, yeah, you know, like, if people want to sit and have a beer with me afterwards, it's fine. Just don't get in the ring with me is kind of what I'm, you know, what me and Malonis are trying to say, you know. Um, 
I, I welcome the cheers. I, you know, who doesn't like beer? You know what I mean? Like, everyone should love beer. So, we uh, all love it. Yeah. Um, our whole thing is, you know, we're going to get in the ring. We're going to fight. We're going to punch people in the mouth and then have a beer afterwards. Win, lose, or draw, you know, we're going to have that beer afterwards. So I read on the Ring of Honor website, your favorite beers are Yingling and Miller Lite. Correct. My favorite beer just so happens to also be Yingling. Okay. And are you a lager or a light guy? I'm a lager guy. Okay. Have you tried the black and tan? I have. Um, in fact, in New York one time, um, we couldn't get – it was for one of my entrances or for one of my promos. I couldn't find the lager, so I ended up picking up the black and tan. Find it, you know, just – Okay, I'll give it a try. And actually, it's pretty decent. Yeah, it's pretty good. I, I would, I, I would, I don't enjoy as much as the lager, but if I'm gonna have just a six pack or whatever, just hanging out, that that's okay. Yeah. Have you tried the golden pilsner yet? I haven't had that one. That one tastes okay. Um, it's pretty good. You know, the, I'll drink pretty much any kind of beer minus an IPA. <laughs> I really don't care for IPAs. Too hoppy, man. Not for yeah, me. Yeah, they're way too hoppy. So, going forward this year, you've got Tag Wars coming up this weekend against the boys, Friday night. Yeah, me and Malonis and the boys, all those boys, they never learn. They, they don't. They never learn. And I get it, this is just the way the brackets fell down, but, you know, they never learn. They, uh, when I first got in the Ring of Honor, you know, Silas and I made a, tried to make men out of them, and then they're always that little thorn in the side, so now it's me and Malone and the two largest guys in the company against the two smallest. It's going to be fun. <laughs> and we called it last night on Ringside Recap. It's going to be it's going to be brutal. <laughs> yes, it is. And I don't even know if the boys are old enough to accept the Toast of Honor, so I told Malone, who cares? At least we get to drink. <laughs> You'll drink enough for all four of you. Yeah. There you go. So this this coming Thursday, tomorrow night, if you're listening in real time, it's uh, Ring of Honor in Dallas at Gillies. You can get tickets all three dates in, in Texas at ringofhonor.com, ringofhonorwrestling.com. Uh, Thursday in Dallas, Friday in Houston, and Saturday in San Antonio. Yep, um, I will be on all three dates. Um, I don't know what I'm doing in Dallas tomorrow, but obviously Tag Wars is Saturday, uh, Friday. Um, and then when we beat the boys, we'll move on to the finals, and that's being held Sunday. Or Saturday. Saturday, Saturday, that's what it is, Saturday. I'm Saturday in San Antonio is the semi and finals. Exactly, so we'll move on to them and and beat whoever we got to beat and then take on the Briscoes at the pay-per-view. And I got I got no problem saying right now my pick to win is the bouncers. They're going to win the whole thing. <laughs> Thank you. That's a good pick. And you got it, man. Don't forget to get Beer City Bruisers shirts, prowrestlingtees.com forward slash. Beer City Bruiser. Follow him on Twitter at BCB Winchester. And uh, if you go to ROHWrestling.com and click on the shop, there's also a Beer City Bruiser shirt there. And there's also the Bouncers t shirt, which is brand new and it's actually selling really well. And it's a, a very well made shirt. Uh, actually, it's my wife's favorite shirt that she owns right now, and she hates my wrestling. <laughs> well, if it makes you feel any better, my wife hates the fact that I do a wrestling podcast. So. <laughs> well, my wife loves wrestling. She just hates my wrestling. 
Yeah, my my wife loves wrestling too. She just hates my podcast. So. Yeah, my wife my wife's a, a Briscoe fan, and that kind of gets in my craw whenever I have to wrestle them. She's cheering for them and not me. It's kind of messed up, man. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> but you love her anyway. Uh, yeah, I kind of have to. Yeah, it's in writing. Yeah, and all you know, every good man needs a nag wife, right? That's right. Naggy wife is a happy life. That's right. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh look forward to seeing you more in Ring of Honor this year, you and Brian as well. Uh, be safe on the road and look forward to this, watching you this weekend. I won't be there. Uh, my co-host on Ringside Recap, Anne-Marie, will be there, though. Uh, All right. But, um, yeah, just be safe and uh, have a good time. Will do. Thank you so much. Drink some beer for me. I will. All right, man. Chase your dreams across the sky. Never let your vision die. Chase your dreams across the sky. Never let your vision die. Shine your light so bright. Let you shine in the night. Illuminate. Darkness illuminate. Support for this episode has been provided by Ratio Keto-Friendly Dairy Snacks. If counting macros makes your head spin, count instead on a snack by Ratio. They've done the math for you, so you can spend less time studying the label and more time enjoying your day. Creamy and delicious, try strawberry and vanilla for two grams of carbs and a unique combination of sugar and protein. Interested? Ratio Keto-Friendly Dairy Snacks are now available in the yogurt aisle at Walmart. Always consult your physician before starting an eating plan that involves regular consumption of high-fat foods. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. When people ask, Regina, do you like to compete? I say, bring it on. Those are the moments that drive you to achieve more. And when you win, you keep reaching higher. To me, that's what the Cadillac Escalade represents. It's always evolving in technology, in design, everything. Because success isn't the end. It's just the first step to what comes next. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving.